Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion on motoring news. This is episode 499 on Tuesday, the 15th of November, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be wondering if everyone is angry with the regulation, is it then actually right? We learn how inappropriate the term car part supplier is for one company, and we travel slowly and then very quickly round a certain German track. But first, we have a follow-up again, and mm. I'm going to start with the bad news. Oh, and this is that Arrival has actually officially said that it has a cash problem and probably doesn't have enough cash to keep it going to the end of next year, which has then meant that the US-listed shares tumbled 33.2% last week. They are exploring possible ways in which to save money, and that will most likely centre on cutting most of the jobs in the UK because they have moved everything mm -hmm. off to the US. Partly because there's many incentives in the, the US Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, that's the one that says that all the batteries and everything all have to be made in the USA before you can get the government cash over here uh, and also GDPR and all these kind of things. You don't necessarily have to complain. Well, to have to comply with those uh, if you're based solely in the US. Yeah, tricky one, that. Yeah, they, the shares are trading at 36 cents, which is virtually nothing. Uh, wow. Uh, I can't see this staying much longer. Someone will come and someone will mm. swoop in and buy the tech if there is any tech to buy. And that's if people haven't walked off with it all by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And on the other hand, if anybody is looking for a small new factory facility in Oxfordshire, then now is a good time to try and get hold of one. Yep, absolutely. Do you want to take us to Porsche and a court? Again, uh, slightly US, um, but a judge uh, over here has proved an $80 million uh, payout by Volkswagen Group and Porsche. Um, to help round off another bunch of Dieselgate stuff. It's quite something. On top of that, by the way, on top of $80 million, there's another $24.5 million in attorney fees and costs. Now, the owners of eligible vehicles, which are Porsches, I think it's only diesel. It doesn't actually say here, bizarrely made between 2005 until 2020. That's amazing that it's still 2020. Yeah, and owners accused the automaker of physically altering test vehicles that affected emissions and fuel economy results. Owners of eligible vehicles will receive payments of between $250 and $1,109 per vehicle. Owners of Porsche vehicles with a Sport Plus driving mode that exceeded emissions limits when driven in that mode will get an additional $250 once they've completed emissions repair software updates or reduce vehicle emissions. Yes, I think they've got away lightly there. Yes. Porsche said on Wednesday that it's been working to develop a solution and to ensure customers are appropriately compensated. So yeah, that's another just over $100 million being spewed out of the Volkswagen coffers. So you can understand why they're kind of keen to make, be profitable when it comes to actually making cars. Yep. Another reason why Porsche had an IPO. <laughs> There's, by the way, about 13,000, just under 14,000 owners have already brought Sport Plus vehicles to dealers to be updated. Yeah. Talking of engine emissions, uh, this is the new news and that the Euro 7 regulations on internal combustion engines have been released. And you could hear shouts from the manufacturers and screams from the environmental groups, both of which were saying it's too strong or too weak, depending on your point of view. <sighs> Does that mean, as emission analytics ask in the, an article that is going to be linked in the show notes, they've got it right? Mm, there's a lot to be said that they possibly have. There's a lot to be also said that it is not watered down as was being announced because mm -hmm. these come in from the 1st of July 2025. But part of the reason for that is these regulations coming out has been delayed. So there would have been the more normal uh, cycle of time yeah, rather than the two years or two and a half years is what they've got now to come out with it. The environmentalists have said that it's too weak. They don't hit uh, emissions hard enough that they don't target greenhouse gases and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
But as has been pointed out in the Emission Analytics article, which is the best one I've read, by the way, and please do go read it. It's really very good. It's very balanced uh, and talks about the pros and cons of all the the positions that have been taken as it goes forward. And also what it has set itself up to do in the future, because this will be the last regulation that covers internal combustion engines. So it will be mm-hmm. to do with emissions, but it won't be to do with internal combustion engines. So it, it's a very important set of rules that have been brought in and they appear on the surface so far to have been quite well thought out. They didn't drag in greenhouse emissions, as I said, and some environmental groups were very cross about that, but Euro regulations never have. That's not, mm-hmm. That has never been their remit. It's not something they covered. So why bring it in now, which would have over-penalized manufacturers, which meant that they wouldn't be able to produce these engines, which meant that they then wouldn't get the money to be able to develop EVs. Because let's be honest here, and this is something that seems to get forgotten when there is the screaming, well, just build EVs. They need the cash first to develop and build and transform their factories, etc., to be able to do that. And the only mm-hmm. way they can do that really at the moment is by selling internal combustion engine vehicles and hybrids because EVs don't make that much of a profit yet. Yet. Unless you're Chinese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you've you've basically tightened down your entire supply chain and not letting anyone else buy the stuff. So yeah. yeah. A couple of key points before we move on. These regs will require a 24-7 monitoring system fitted to the car mm-hmm. to show that the vehicle, while in use, still hits what the regulations require it to as far as emissions that they are measuring. Now, that has to work uh, as well as the systems within the car to Mm. keep the emissions down for 10 years from new and then 200,000 kilometres. Part of the reason for that is, of course, the majority of pollution on the roads these days is actually coming from older vehicles and not from Euro 6 and and newer cars absolutely because that, that's the thing is because emission analytics of what they do they've shown that the man, most manufacturing most manufacturers and most of the cars new cars now actually come in under the levels that are required mm-hmm. which cars it hits now i don't know which engines more to the point it's the monitoring and the longevity yeah that i think are, are probably more of an, an issue than than actually getting an engine to do it. Yeah, I, there is a link in the show notes from Julian Rendell, who writes for Autocar, a bit of a thread on Twitter about how there doesn't appear to be the technology in place yet or mm. existing that will do this monitoring. And that is one of the stumbling blocks that the manufacturers have and why they are a little bit. Uh, a little bit, a lot disappointed, a lot if you looked at f- how Ford reacted online, <laughs> a lot disappointed in what the regulations state. So there's mm-hmm. a few links in the show notes that you should go and read through to get a lot more context around this very complex situation. Yep. Something a bit simpler though, Alan. Do you think so? I was about to say we we're about to move on to something equally complex, and that is JLR financial figures uh, have come through for the last quarter Good news, generally. JLR saying that the production ramp-up of uh, the new Range Rover and the new Range Rover Sport has helped uh, sales rise and cut its pre-tax losses. Yay. Uh, so they helped revenue rise 36% mm-hmm. to $5.3 billion, But I imagine if you can actually make cars, then that will help your revenue rise, generally. <laughs> Uh, And that's in the three months to September the 30th, compared to the same period in 2021. Uh, See my previous words. They also said that pre-tax losses cut from 302 million to 173 million. Generally, they're actually being able to make more vehicles again. Wholesale volume is 17.6%. They're still to 75,307 vehicles. It's still lower than planned. And to quote Chief Executive, Cherry Baluri saying, primarily due to lower than expected supply of specialized chips from one supplier, which could not be readily resourced in the quarter. They've still got strong demand for their product, though. Order book is still big and long, etc. I've got a couple of questions, though, from that. Hmm. One, we are 18 months into the chip crisis, and you're saying in the last quarter you had a problem. 
that's quite poor. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. They said they couldn't source them within the last quarter. And that, however, they are also saying that they're continuing to focus on signing long-term partnership agreements with chip suppliers, which is improving visibility of future chip supply. Okay. Or I think there has been a supply chain breakdown. Yes. I would have hoped they would have been able to, well, they haven't clearly been able to plan around that when they should have been, I would suggest. Yeah. And the other thing, because it talks about £5.3 billion worth of sales, what's a sale? Is it when someone goes into a showroom and says, here's an order? Or is it when the car is delivered? Oh, 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 I've had this debate in other places before. Because we know you can be very clever with your accounting if you're taking something, you know, if you're you're robbing from, you know, yeah. you're taking ahead of time. No, I, no, I believe that that is, it, it doesn't say, it actually never says sales, it just says revenue. A sales rise, cut its pretext. And then it says a revenue rise, but then it does keep the, it depends. Yeah. I don't know. It depends whether they're taking deposits as sales, but I don't, I would hope they're not being that Tesla. Uh, That is a very short sighted and silly thing to do because you will be found out incredibly quickly when things improve. I don't think they'd be silly enough to do that. I hope you are right. Don't let me down. (laughs) (laughs) The situation is improving. Yeah, I mean, they still have a long list of people who wish to buy their vehicles. They had stopped all marketing, but they believe the situation is easing up enough for them to market again. For a long time, if you went to the JLR configurators, you'd go through and it was da 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 and it was like, uh, no, there's nothing similar to this. Uh, you could wait some time for it, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you'd do it, and you'd make a nice, pretty car or whatever, and then at the end it was like, hmm. We can't supply this right at the minute, but here's some used ones that are very similar. <laughs> There'd be like one car somewhere in Inverness, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't see the issue here. <laughs> Moving on from emissions and financials, a bit of a tech story. I'm going to class it as a tech story here. Yeah, I think so. Not good, though. Uh, and this is the news that. It's called Car Parts Giant Continental, and I think that is a huge misnomer. But Continental, the German tier one supplier to an awful lot of companies and an awful Mm. lot of mobility and the automotive world, Mm. got hacked in August by a group called Lockbit. Now, they are quite famous in the hacking world for ransomware. And that's what they did. They got in and they have they have said they have 40 terabytes of information from Continental that they will sell for the cheap fee of 50 million dollars. Continental reacted with this saying, "Yes, there was an issue, but we averted it." Mm-hmm. And then later on said, "Yeah, some data has actually been stolen." Which when you are should we say coached in crisis 101 yeah coming out and lying when your integrity and security has been breached really isn't the best way to get your incredibly important customers to trust you <laughs> <laughs> all our pr listeners are nodding vigorously at this point yeah yeah just to give you an idea of of who continental works with as well just and this is just a small glimpse of the likes but they deal with volkswagen Mercedes, Ford, Volvo, Iveco, Schmidt, Porsche, PSA, Renault, Toyota, General Motors, BMW, Freightliner, Tr- and that's just on very obvious automotive. They actually are dealing in, and they are contractors and suppliers for the driver assistance tech in cars, mm-hmm. in the architecture and networking stuff of cars and their systems. The user experience in the car, so, you know, some of the wonderful screens that we get and what drives all that. Also, smart mobility and also autonomous mobility. This is actually, all joking aside and mocking though I have been doing, this is actually really scary. Yeah. If they have been breached and we don't know what they've got, looking at that huge breadth that they are involved in, this could be, and I'm only, and I'm just saying, coulds, and I'm not trying to catastrophize, but just to give an implication of 
how massive this this is it could be the software that deals with automatic emergency braking it could mm-hmm. be the software and systems that are in, are trying to be deployed that allow better flow of traffic mm-hmm. it could be the stuff that keeps the car secure in the software for that it is such a vast thing that they are they have so many fingers in so many pies this is potentially catastrophic if the wrong people get hold of this info yeah yeah if that is the info that's gone and with the problem is now they've ruined trust mm-hmm. because they said nothing we we stopped it and then came out and said yeah something has gone yeah their customers are going to be jumping up and down i bet the phone has melted to their ceo from the likes of mercedes ford let mm. alone governments councils highway departments yeah they probably haven't twigged to it yet it just it's really scary uh, i mean it's incredibly clever hack mm-hmm. if you're going to if you're going to target a company and have a massive massive effect on global and national security this is a huge and really intelligent way to do it yeah you were on another podcast about this during the week weren't you yes i was i was on the tice talk webinar video series where uh, we were actually discussing this i was on with a couple of experts one from deloitte and uh, a lady who advises security for uh, a lot of suppliers from tier one through to the ones much lower down and it was interesting there because i learned that there is actually a european framework for companies to prove that they are of a certain level in the tiers of security of what they can do uh, I can't remember the name of it off the top. Neither of my head. can I, and I should know it as well. As well. Yeah, but it, it was really interesting that you can you are given very prescriptive. This is what you need to do to prove you are, you know, mm-hmm. level one, level two, level three, whatever it is, which is so helpful. As someone who used to work in ISO nine thousand one, you were gone. Off you go. You need to sort of meet these, and you're going. Well, okay, I'll I'll come go to label some conclusion. Stuff. Label how it. That would, yeah, how that is. And then you have to talk a good story when someone comes and audits you. <laughs> but no, it was a really good one. And I will be posting out links via LinkedIn and on Twitter for that so you can watch the replay because they go into uh, more detail about this story. It's re- really interesting and scary. I'm looking forward to watching the replay because I couldn't watch it live because I was busy. Do you want to take us to Renault now, though? Yes. Which part of Renault? Because Renault is going to split itself into five different businesses. Yes. Now, this is supposedly part of the third phase of its Renault-Lucien plan, where it aim, it's aiming to become a next-generation automotive company. How is everyone doing on their buzzword bingo card today? <laughs> They're going to split into, into five. So the first is called first it's called ampere as in the measure of electrical current uh, which will develop build and sell electric vehicles by 2030 it'll have six evs covering 80 percent of the ev mainstream profit pool according to this uh, fleet news article uh, that includes recently launched mcgann e-tech the renner 4 and renner 5 uh, are mm-hmm. the first three in that the second one is alpine it will now focus on launching a new fully electric lineup, including a hatchback and a crossover. That one, uh, you've just, they've just said, they've just gone, woo, Ampere is going to be the EV one mm. until we get to Alpine, because that's going to be the EV that's one. That's also well. going to be the EV one. <laughs> I understand why, because it's a, it's a new brand, but you've made such a song and dance about. <laughs> I think this is more specialized yeah, stuff. Yeah. So it yeah. says, I mean, the first one, 80% of the EV mainstream profit pool. So Ampere is probably still going to be badge Renault. Mm. It will be mainstream EVs. Alpine is more specialized EVs, lower production volumes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Higher price point, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Third business will be called Mobilise. I'm just assuming there's a French pronunciation on all of these. Uh, and it will be financial services. Uh, it will be traditional financial services and whilst developing into subscription, insurance, and potentially leasing. Oh, goody. Subscriptions. Yeah. It was coming. I know it. <laughs> Moving on. I'm ignoring you. Uh, 
The fourth one is called The Future is Neutral. And that is the circular economy stuff. So I quite yeah. often talk about the refact. We quite often mention the refactory at Flint and that kind of thing. Uh, is the idea of, of neutral is to bring together all of the expertise into circular economy stuff. That's the one I'm most excited about. Me too. I actually, this one's the one that really interests me. Uh, so, so that's part supply, procuring raw materials, uh, end of life production, all that stuff. So you can imagine that a, a factory operated by neutral will build vehicles for Ampere and possibly for Alpine as well, which will be financed via Mobilize. The last part, because uh, those of you who are paying attention at home will realize we've only covered four of them, is still going to be ice and hybrid vehicles. They're saying that those are still going to represent 50% of passenger car sales worldwide, even by 2040. Uh, so this very much is Renault ice and hybrid cars, Dacia, yeah. and the light commercial vehicle arms, because they won't just be sold in Europe. Okay, yeah. remember South America, Mexico, um, North Africa are big markets even into subcontinental to leisure and stuff are all big markets for Renault and they still have to have, you know, we talk about EVs and 2030 and everything, but the rest of the world are still going to be selling uh, and buying hybrids and, and ice vehicles. They need to still have a finger in that particular pie. So yeah, five parts to a Renault. Absolutely. What's also going to be tied in with the Ampere one is their software. They, they made a bit of a song and dance about the mm. software division and they're talking about IPOs for some of these uh, divisions yeah. that they've made as well. Oh, goody, another software. Yes, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's fashionable. They'll get over it. Well, hopefully before they make dreadful mistakes like some others do. Uh, yes, before they make a completely unusable cluster. Yes, the thing that really gets me here is no mention of Nissan. One, uh, hello. And I noticed that there was been a few comments from Renault going, hey, there's nothing to stop us having this negotiation with Nissan, but they don't seem to be wanting to talk to us. So all is still not well in the Rebel oh, Alliance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alliance hasn't been well for a while. By the way, at the same time, this will also be deepening their ties a little bit with Geely. Yes. So Nissan are going to be delighted by that as well. Can you imagine if Geely bought into Renault? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought that this was a massive kick in the teeth to Nissan when they saw Geely got signed up. So I think that all the conversations they were supposed to be having a couple of weeks ago, mm. I imagine when they found out this is what was happening, they went, right, no, we're walking away now. Uh, I bet that's what's gone on. I think there'll be an awful lot of corporate two fingers at each other. Yeah, there is still anger and bitterness, isn't there, going both ways? Because Nissan made Renault look like fools. Yes. Okay, I'm going to take us to Slough, although only briefly, don't worry. <laughs> Commiserations. This is, this is the news that... John Betjeman poem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rental e-scooter scheme there will now be suspended until, uh, from the 30th of November, that is, until at least June 2023. The current provider, which is Neuron Mobility, they uh, were hoping that there would just be an extension to the scheme, but Slough said, no, we can't extend again because we've we've done it a few times. We now need to put this out to tender. But before we do, let's sit back, reevaluate where we are. Let's see what we've learned. Do we actually want to continue with this or not, etc.? They're not saying no, but they're not saying yes either. And there's no mention like there was recently in Canterbury. It was Canterbury, wasn't it? You know, yes, one person yes. got knocked over and therefore we will been all scooters forever this doesn't appear to be that sort of angle they're coming at i suspect it's something to do with the costs cost benefits however yeah. they've decided to analyze that it's interesting stat uh, on that topic there's an interesting paragraph in this move electric story which is saying that neuron conducted research while suggesting that two in three e-scooter journeys in slough resulted in a purchase from a local business with an average spend of 16 pounds 20 per trip enough to inject 4.6 million into the town's economy each year. I think people would probably have spent the money anyway. Uh, they would just have walked or driven instead. Yeah, they reckon that they've saved 65 tonnes of CO2 as well because of the replaced car journeys. Yeah, that, yeah, that's believable. Can you take us to a car park in France, please, Alan? Yes. In fact, I shall take you to every single car park in France with space for at least 80 vehicles. Okay. And what I shall be doing is 
showing you how they're going to generate electricity. Legislation approved by the French Senate last week uh, means that both new and existing car parks with space for at least 80 vehicles will now need to be covered by solar panels. Owners of car parks between 80 and 400 spaces will have five years to comply with the measures. While operators of those with more than 400 will have just three years. At least half the area of the larger sites must be covered by solar panels. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about French supermarkets. Mm. I wonder if the collected number of French supermarkets may at times surpass EDF as the primary electricity generator in France. <laughs> because when you think about it, that's one heck of a lot of space that's going to need covered. Alternatively, we'll see that supermarket car parks shrink quite a lot in size. Yeah. Yes, we are suddenly only doing deliveries. <laughs> yes. French government, by the way, believes that that measure could generate up to 11 gigawatts of power. Originally, the the measure was going to be in square meterage. So originally, it was going to be larger than 2,500 square meters before deciding to go for the number of car parking spaces instead. This should keep the, oh, never put a solar panel on farmland happy, who are clearly not understanding what they're talking about because the solar panels that do get fitted to farmland, it's in places where they are not able to either grow crops or you can still have livestock going around solar panels. <laughs> No, this isn't un wholly unusual anyway, especially in the south of France. Uh, you quite often do that. You need to build a shade. Or, you know, it's better to, to, to keep the vehicles in the shade. Mm -hmm. People do that anyway. It's, it's quite interesting, actually, knock-on effect of that, which is that it will, of course, ultimately reduce power consumption because whether, especially with EVs, you don't, if the car's been sitting outside in the sun, then whenever you start it, it's going to blast to cool down the inside of the car. If you can park in the shade under the solar panels then all the energy that would be just heating up your car, which you're then going to expend more energy to get rid of, is being turned straight into useful energy. I think it's a cracking idea. Oh, it's a great idea. I totally, I think it's a, a brilliant idea. I mean, the, the glare is going to be quite massive. I hope it's adopted here. Of course it won't. It's far too sensible. Oh, I know, but it would be lovely if it was, because, you know, it ticks so many boxes. Mm -hmm. There's a really interesting Guardian article uh, on the topic you have a little bit of a read of that right i'm going to take us to warsaw because i'm taking us always to the greatest places in this show and this is our public announcement or public service announcement avoid warsaw yes <laughs> particularly if you are on the m6 northbound between last monday and the 16th of december it's a bit, a bit late as far as public announcements go well at least we're warning ahead of time though if you haven't traveled this is true if you're journeying between Junction 7 to Junction 10 northbound between 10 o'clock at night and 6 o'clock in the morning, the M6 will be shut. This is for planned resurfacing, mm -hmm. and uh, this is going to run between Junctions 9 and 11, even though they're shutting 7 to 10. I don't Whatever. Yes, <sighs> nod, smile, etc. <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll be basically taken off the carriageway at 7. And you will <laughs> you will go through routes through Walsall as you try to get back on. So um, stay away. They're also claiming that they will be clearing the drains in a bid to prevent flooding. That I love that sort of for a bid to prevent. Not it will prevent. We we've got our fingers crossed, and maybe it will. <laughs> I know. I know. Ugh. That stretch of road really does need resurfacing. So that's good to see. It has been a mercifully long time since I've had to drive on it. Lucky you. Yeah. Well, that's the end of the first part, Alan. It does. It means that it's Guilt Minute. Quick break in the show where we're asked for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on the hosting running. If you feel the Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. The different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes, thank you everyone who does, and we know you do. WRC, last round of 2022, and it was Rally Japan. 
which looked superb. Oh, amazing. It did the tunnel. Oh, yeah. There was an accident there as well. But Ew. the news is that Thierry Nouvelle won with Octanic second. So Hyundai in Toyota's home rally managed to elbow them out the way thanks to Elvin Evans, whose only luck seems to be bad this season, had a puncture on the last day, which meant that he could not challenge for the lead. He was leading for a lot of the rally, Mm -hmm. actually. But uh, Takamoto Katsuta, he came in third for Toyota and had got his third career podium in WRC, so that's brilliant news. Uh, Although he was wonderfully humble and was really upset that the only reason he got it was because Evans had the puncture and ended up in fifth. So that that was good news there um, for for him because he's had a few rallies where he struggled, but it's not that long ago that he was coming through the Toyota program. So to get an actual Japanese driver, as this article in Dirtfish makes it clear, to get the, a Japanese driver of WRC quality mm-hmm. and competing properly is a mm-hmm. cracking job that Toyota have done. Uh, yeah. you, you really, they have invested heavily in their cars and their people and their team, and they are reaping the rewards of that. I mean, you just think of the uh, WEC as well, what they yes, do exactly. there. And it seems to be a similar approach of we will methodically work through this and get really very jolly good indeed. <laughs> I think that lots of lessons were probably learned from Toyota's Formula One bit. Yeah, probably. As in, here's how we're not going to do it. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Uh, that is a very good point. For the other drivers, um, we can see that Ogier ended up fourth. Now, at one point, he was dead last. Of the rally, <laughs> and he ended up fourth. He that had another unexplained puncture from a Pirelli tire because Pirelli took over from I think it was Michelin this year. Yes, or Goodyear. Well, anyway, that was Michelin before. Yeah, Pirelli are the tire of choice, and again, he's been hit by another unexplained tire failure. And boy, did he let everyone know he didn't yeah. mince words in a in interviews and just said it's ridiculous that they are in charge of the tyres. This never happened before, and now we're doing this. No one's talking about it. It's a joke. He was like, okay. But he was by far the quickest, as you can see, Mm. from going from dead last to fourth, by far the quickest driver out there. So if he hadn't had the puncture, as with other rallies, then it just goes to show what another level he's on, Mm -hmm. really, frankly. Uh, Greensmith. Dragged the M Sport into sixth after Breen had just an appalling rally. Went off, hit an Armco. That was it. And then was just, no, just appalling. I I would not be surprised if he is not at M Sport next year. Mm -hmm. In the off season, if he is, he needs help in regaining some confidence in himself because I think he's now second guessing because he's had that many different things go wrong yeah because what's going to happen now it's going to be a really interesting off season because Otanik's gone uh Hyundai have also ditched Solberg who oh I need to say as well Sordo in the third Hyundai that just Mm -hmm. caught fire oh right and absolutely destroyed it uh but what is mentioned in the uh Colin Clark's driver ratings he gives him 10 out of 10 because if he'd stopped 50 yards before or 50 yards after where he was, he could well have set most of the prefecture on fire because it was tinder dry and he happened to be in an area where there wasn't trees overhanging. So they were that close to a huge environmental huge. issue, yeah. you know, which would have wiped out a large area. Very lucky. But there's the, we still don't know what it was that caused mm-hmm. that fire, but there's suspicion that it's something to do with the hybrid. I could guess that that was going to come, yes. Yes. So in the off-season, as I was about to say, though, Hyundai have got to work out what they are, who they're going to employ. Well, I think, first of all, they need to decide whether they're actually going to be in WRC. Yeah, that's a big question, I think. I mean, we've been saying that for the last three years, I think. I felt that it could go either way in the last three years. They need a a team principal. They need Mm -hmm. two drivers. Mm Mm-hmm. And they need their car to be consistent, uh, yep. and I don't, I don't see how any of that's going to happen easy. 
Mm-hmm. No, at all. No, no. Those, um, those, those are not uh, those are not easy challenges to solve. No, M Sport have got the struggle of they are behind the other two teams in terms of cash. Yeah, budget I think is important, and I think they will need a new team principal as well. Maybe Tonic Tanek goes there. I Maybe. don't know. That'd Maybe. be interesting. Or Ogier is brought in there to help them out, depending on how much he wants to rally. I know they have um, Loeb there, but he's he seems to be just turning up, giving the keys and off he drives, rather than mm. helping development. So we'll see. Okie doke. Well, that brings us to new new car news, doesn't it? It does. It is. Uh, so... Big new new car news this last week has been the new Volvo EX90. So the EX90 is a essentially an XC90 sized EV. It has about a 360 mile range. And at £90,255 is your starting price. It is the Volvo's most expensive vehicle. It looks really rather good though, despite the fact that they launched it that helpful flat gray sorry <laughs> primer primer yeah audi fans who goes nardo gray it's like it's not it's just primer <laughs> but it's it's yeah it's quite the thing isn't it i think it looks great before i start by the way i think yeah. it looks I, I want to i want to get my positives out the way now <laughs> i had had dinner with a friend last night that's probably one of the reasons I forgot to send out the Patreon email and everything. Apologies again. We'd recommended to him to buy, a, or I'd recommended to him to buy an XC90 hybrid mm-hmm. a few years ago. And he was telling me just how much he loved it. And then I said, well, it's an electric only one. He said, all right, how much is it? And I said the price. And it's like, that won't be happening. I'll be keeping this until it dies. Yeah. So I think that that's going to be one of the major challenges that Volvo have with this, actually. But... In the meantime, let's run through some stats, shall we, before you get all shouty. Incredibly uh, aerodynamic, uh, 0.29 CD. Of course, the important number is CDA, which is the coefficient to drag multiplied by the area, and it probably doesn't do so well on that particular count because it's rather large. <laughs> it's bigger than XC90. Yes, it is. It is. And so it will launch with twin motor all-wheel drive powertrain, two levels of output, Twin motor models will offer 402 horsepower and 568 pound-feet of torque. Performance models will offer 510 horsepower and 671 pound-feet of torque, because, of course, you need all of those numbers. Both will be limited to 112 miles an hour, but there will be... Well, it says lower-powered single-motor versions are likely to follow, says Autocar, which means there will be lower-powered and, of course, lower-cost ones to come hmm. uh, they're claiming 2.9 miles per kilowatt hour which is all right not good uh, no it's not great I'd, I'd, I'd really expect to be seeing well over three but never mind come from a 111 kilowatt hour battery of which 107 kilowatt hours is usable uh, and that means 364 360 miles respectively uh, battery can be charged at 250 kilowatts offering 10 to 80% charge in 30 minutes. Looking at that efficiency and looking at that range, that is a huge battery they've got in there to get that. It must weigh an enormous amount as well. Uh, Yes. A curb weight of 2.8 tons. (laughs) This is the problem, folks. We do need to try to move away from this. But, you know... Everybody, it is the it is the exact opposite range. of the Citroen Ollie. Yeah, I know, I know, and we we're both in agreement on this absolutely because this this whole task of well, we've got to have all these miles, so we're just going to put in this heck massive battery. That's the, the that's the podcast friendly version. This heck massive <laughs> battery, and that's what happens. And and the bigger battery impacts the range, and it becomes diminishing returns but everybody's so obsessed by range and range and range and never having to stop and charge you know this does 250 kilowatt hour charging 10 to 80 percent in 30 minutes if you had a smaller battery it would be 10 to 80 percent and even less than that yeah and you can't necessarily go well most of us can't go 360 miles on a on a bladder 
I no. can't. I'm middle-aged. No, not even if you're 70 mile an hour. No, exactly. If you can manage that consistent speed, which when was the last time anyone could do that? Mm, no, exactly. Well, there's there's other bits, obviously, as well, because this is Volvo, and Volvo are really trying to grasp back the mantle of we are safety, and there's lots of software and hardware. Never really lost it, in all fairness. No, but others tried to claim it, didn't they? Yes, that's very true. So there's lots of uh, software and hardware. There is going to ha- it is going to have lidar fitted as standard. And if we remember, one special man doesn't think lidar is useful in these things, but he's wrong. Uh, and that's going to help give extra information to the systems, the driver assistance systems, and stuff like that, so that they understand better what is around the car and what is going on. I think it's great that they took a design cue from the LEVC taxi, by the way, with the little <laughs> the little hood above the dashboard, uh, above the windscreen. Yes. Yeah, because they, they did actually try to fit that behind the mirror in, on, in inside the windscreen, but the lasers were reflected ah, okay. or refracted. I can't remember which one it was, but basically they weren't as efficient, so they have to mount it outside. So that's why that looks like that. Uh, there's also going to be an upgraded pilot assist system, which is their driver assistance thing and steering support function to help it change lanes. Apparently this bit disappointed me immensely, as you would imagine, but Volvo says the systems will eventually allow it to offer an over the air subscription update to give unsupervised autonomous driving in certain conditions and places. I am hugely disappointed. Any car manufacturer is still mentioning this when you look at, when you take you 30 seconds to look at the current state of autonomous vehicle development and understand how that's ridiculous. Also in there is going to be driver monitoring stuff, which is something that the EU is pushing for. I am very worried about that because of some of the language that was used, not in the reveal that we had here last week, but Mm -hmm. in the video reveals we had about a month ago, there was an implication although i've yet to have a chance to speak to volvo for more details on this but there was the implication in the language they used that they would be inferring certain things about drivers by the position of heads by how they felt someone was feeling and that worries me a lot because you could quite easily veer into we know how you're feeling emotionally and that's nonsense yeah, I'm I'm always a little bit skeptical of some of the very early video reviews of stuff that come out, video version. Yeah. yeah. Especially so, from, from outside the UK more than from inside the UK. Yeah. Although occasionally. More, hmm. But I mean, like I said at the start, I think it looks fabulous. Inside will be a gorgeous place to sit. Oh, yeah. It's saying at, the, at launch, you'll only be able to get the range topping ultra trim level which will have the LiDAR, the driver monitoring system that you've just mentioned, panoramic glass roof, 25-speaker Boas and Wilkins audio system with Dolby Atmos. I mean, what a fantastic place to to, yeah. to, to sit in. And it'd be cloth seats as well, not leather and all this Nordica. sort of stuff because they are very much into using that sort of uh, the textiles and mm-hmm. everything like that. But I, I just can't get over the fact it's, a hun- it's a yet another... Hundred thousand pound giant massive EV, which so this like, is. I mean, the, remember, we were saying uh, when it's launched, you'll only be able to get ultra trim, so the price for other trims should be lower. Yeah, but but nobody's going to buy it. But where you know, it's something we keep we've been banging on about a lot recently. Where are the affordable EVs now? China. That's where we have to look. That's where that is where the vast majority of people buying in in the UK and Europe we are looking. One, one tick. This has never been. This is not intended to be an affordable EV. It's always intended no, but, to be a range topper. Yeah, I know. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying okay. is, oh great, here's another range topping hundred k EV that's huge and all the rest of it. It does. It, it like I say, it will be wonderful to be inside. It will be lovely mm. to drive, although the efficiency's poor yeah but, but the new mg3 market. is far more relevant yeah basically where we're going with that which which it is and by the way i miscalled i called it mg4 last week i meant to call it mg3 there will be links in the show notes by the way to things like the reveal of the headlights which is you know so a cool. small moment of delight uh there are touches <laughs> on this there is also going <laughs> to be 
<laughs> going to be a, a link to the Lonely Car Designer's Instagram post on this, which goes to show how well this has been received. But to counter that, I'm also including an article from Car Magazine asking about where the affordable cars are these days, uh, just as a slight counterpoint and sort of emphasizes the point we have been making recently. I will now move away from that and take us to old dead car news. <laughs> It's not even that old, and it shouldn't really be dead. But yes. no, I know, no, absolutely. This is this is my. Uh, I'm completely echo that. Kia are canning the stinger, which, frankly, Kia is a horrifically bad decision to make. I hope that you will reflect on this after you hear the <laughs> podcast and decide. No, you are right, Andrew. Even though you haven't bought one and are not in a position to buy one, and nobody else has, we either. will change our decision. <laughs> But I love the fact that Kia actually came out with a stinger at all. Lovely car. Uh, they went into a, an area that no one else was in, and I think they did a cracking job with what it was. I'm gutted I haven't driven one. I know Alan is gutted that he very pretty much just stared at his for 12 weeks that he had mm-hmm. on loan and wasn't able to drive that either, although the, speak, the stereo was very good. But it's going to be replaced by the EV6 GT, which is their 577 brake horsepower super crossover is what it's being called in the Autocar article. <laughs> Sorry. It has a dedicated drift mode. Oh, for goodness sakes, people. Anyway. Yeah. So sad news, but we're. I think we have to get used to this. This is going yeah. to happen yeah. more and more, and we are going to see more cars that we really like the idea of or have actually owned or driven that are going away because, you know, 2030, 2035 is fast approaching. Yep. There's a Stinger, an all-wheel drive Stinger V6 lives in black lives down in the in in the garage and it's a very nice looking thing and it sounds fantastic when they started off do you want to take us to germany please alan yes please i would love to take you to germany i'd love to take you to germany in a ridiculous car uh, this week's lunchtime read is by ant ingram uh, it's on haggerty as, as ever uh, because they publish really good stuff and it's about taking his smart for two diesel to the nurburgring <laughs> and how much fun it was and just how much he enjoyed it and and he went uh, with a friend who taken a Suzuki Wagon R, <laughs> which is just, just <laughs> turned into an unintentional thrill ride. I think it's a phrasing at some point. Really good article. Hello, Gran Turismo. <laughs> yeah, have a, have a read. As someone who's taken a diesel Yaris around the Nürburgring, terrifying experience um, on a very busy day. No, it, go have a read because it's such a nice, it's one of these kind of road trip. Uh, as, yeah. It's one of these kind of, I don't know, I was going to call it aspirational road trip. It's an achievable road trip uh, yeah. that any of us can do in any car that we, we happen to have, really. Go have a read. It's a really nice piece. Yep, it is. I thoroughly enjoyed it on the train yesterday. Excellent. And I love the idea of doing it in something that is apparently inappropriate, but then is not. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Talking of inappropriate, I'm going to talk about 12 supercharged cars that have made forced induction a feature. Alan, Uh, there are some really cracking choices in this list. Again, from Haggerty, for those uh, listening, is there one that leaps out to you more than others? Yes. The one that leaps out to me is the Jaguar XJR, uh, the original supercharged Jaguar XJR. The M100, is it? Is that the correct type? Type? Oh, yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> it's pre-X308, whichever one that one is, according to the article. The one where it was still a, a straight six, a supercharged straight six XJR, which I would love to try. Mm. Um, very cool. Very cool indeed. Uh, I have always thought those were great looking. Oh, they are. looking cars. They are I mean, fabulous. probably horrible in many other ways now because it's an old Jaguar. But I know there's and there's, don't, don't there's, think about that, Alan. Don't don't let reality come into this. But there are fan, fan, some fantastic choices in there. Some of them are more obvious than others. Yeah, I won't pick anything because there is only twelve or eleven left now. Mm-hmm. But do have a click through and read on those because, uh, as Alan says, there are some great choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we've just taken a, a quick sprint away from the Nurburgring, but can you 
take us back again? Very quick one. Um, the Mercedes literally. AMG One, <laughs> yes, literally, has just made an a, a new official lap record of for a road car. Is it for a production yeah. vehicle? Yeah, I was just pretty spreading the definition of production, isn't it? Uh, a new lap record for a production vehicle. It is six minutes thirty-five seconds and one hundred and eighty-three milliseconds by Mario Engel. I haven't actually watched the video yet. Oh, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, it's. I imagine it's. it's uh, yeah, it's amazing, amazing driving. And the thing that's a little bit surprising, it's only eight seconds quicker than the previous record with the Porsche. Yeah, but like, and, they're uh, all bit. You know, you. That's what Porsche happens. GT three. You, only eight seconds quicker though. Eight seconds is. Yeah, but at that level, mate, you're 20, so close to the edge. Yes, I know, but. But also, look I mean, it's at- still amazing bit of engineering because it was on Top Gear last Sunday. Chris Harris was driving it, and it had a few issues, but it's amazing. And I know one of the chaps who helped develop and bring that to be. Mm. So I know it's a phenomenal bit of engineering, and it's amazing. And I'm glad they've done it because it's, it does feel like we're going to get less and less of these projects done, where mm. somebody just says, "No, because I want to, we are going to make this thing, please." Yes, uh, and I love that that can still be done and still afforded. Yes, well, those those kind of projects come and go depending on financial situations. Yeah, and yes, we've got that, and of course, there's the Aston Martin Valkyrie as well, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's, I mean, no doubt that'll be out there to take a to try a lap time at some point soon. Yeah, absolutely. Goodness me, this looks like it's a lap on fast forward, doesn't it? Yes, it <laughs> it is. Uh, it, it is much faster than I could. Comf- you know, remotely compute. I can't imagine what the G-forces are like. The straights would be scary enough, let alone when you get to the corners. It's going through the bends at 130, 140. Yeah. Sheesh. Right, I'm going to stop that because that's far too distracting. Uh, but yes, go have a look. Link, of course, to the video will be in the show notes. Amazing. Uh, is that about it? Any parish notes we need? You're going to put the link to your taste talk. Uh, not your taste talk. Yeah, taste talk. Yeah, your taste talk into the show notes. Nothing else here. You'll notice that this is 499. Next show, of course, will be 500. We have, in our traditional manner, not done anything special for the 500, uh, partly because we did the whole load of stuff. We did some stuff for, for, for reaching a, our birthday uh, not so long ago. So, so yeah. yeah. Da, 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 da. So we'll catch up. We'll do something special at some point. That's about it, really, I think. It is. You can possibly cut the singing bits. Maybe. You won't now. I shouldn't have said that, should I? Anyway, folks, don't forget to show. And next week, uh, or you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. I'm also on Mastodon, which the address is in my Twitter profile because I can't remember it off the top of my head because it's a little bit more complicated and that's too much for my tiny brain. But Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes, until it all comes crashing down, then Twitter as well, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-I-A-D-L-E-Y. And again, the Mastodon address is linked in my profile. We'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.